In a perfect human civilization, civilization, there must be a class of men fully trained as perfect brahmanas. Similarly, there must be kshatriyas to rule the country very nicely according to the injunctions of the shastras and there must be vaishyas who can protect the cows. The word gavaha indicates that cows should be given protection. Because the Vedic civilization is lost, cows are not protected but instead indiscriminately killed in slaughterhouses. Such are the acts of the demons. Therefore, this is a demonian civilization. The Varnashrama Dharma mentioned here is essential for human civilization. Unless there is a Brahmana to guide, a Kshatriya to rule perfectly and a perfect Vaishya to produce food and protect the cows, how will people live peacefully? It is impossible. Another point is that trees also should be given protection. During its lifetime, a tree should not be cut for industrial enterprises. In Kaliuga, trees are indiscriminately and unnecessarily cut for industry, in particular for paper mills that manufacture a profuse quantity of paper for the publication of dominion propaganda, nonsensical literature, huge quantities of newspapers, and many other paper products. This is a sign of demoniac civilization. The cutting of trees is prohibited unless necessary for the service of the Lord. Yajnartha, Karmanonyatra, Lokoyam, Karmabandhanaha, work done as a sacrifice for Lord Vishnu must be performed, otherwise, work binds one to this material world. But if the paper mills, Stop producing paper. One may argue how can our ISKCON literature be published? The answer is that the paper mills should manufacture paper only for the publication of ISKCON literature. <laughs> because ISKCON literature is published for the service of Lord Vishnu. This publication of ISKCON literature is the performance of repeating in the same purport. Yajna must be performed as indicated by the superior 
authorities. The cutting of trees simply to manufacture paper for the publication of unwanted literature is the greatest sinful act. Om Jnana Tilantasya Jnana Anjana to his followers demons and here Srila Prabhupada brings in the real meaning that we need to learn behind this verse there's a wonderful purport here we can see that Hiranyakashipu has his strategy, what to do. Just like in the modern times, even in the current times, the rulers, governments, they have their strategy. Especially they have their financial strategies, right? They exactly know how to control everyone. There are variations in the interest rates and everyone is affected by that. And then they know what should be the income slab, what should be the tax rates, 
they know how much land to release when to develop a suburb where there has to be economic activities everything is strategized we think that we are very independent but there are think tanks behind they plan and accordingly we live they know what are the spending habits they know where to put the money they know where to take the money so on one level there are different kinds of planning and that is going on of course our plans and behind our plans even our karmas are coming through all this kind of structure which are which is in place and these structures are planned and enforced by the rulers they may not be devotees and especially in this time they are materialists in general and there are material strategies how to do things how to get things done now they know how to change the variables right they know how to change the variables then there are different outcomes similarly there are people in this world who knows how to manipulate the system for to manipulate the system you need to know the system and if you know the system you can manipulate the system or you can take advantage of the system for their benefits now if you come to the strategy of hiranyakashipu he perfectly understood the vedic system that's why propat writes in the first line of the purport the picture of a proper human civilization is indirectly described here so hiranyakashipu greatest of the demons knew exactly how the varnashram system how the vedic system <coughs> works he knew the links amazingly he knew the links he understood the connection between the cows the brahmanas the vedic studies agriculture yatnas or other ashrams other than brahmana kshatriya vaishya shudra the demigods vishnu he knew the entire system very well so indeed he developed a strategy by which he can gain power indeed he gained some power right even though his ultimate strategy didn't work out what was his ultimate strategy ultimately he wanted to exactly he wanted to kill vishnu that is that was his ultimate system and for that he knew how to weaken vishnu or he thought he can weaken vishnu what was he thinking who is worshiping vishnu devatas so he as mentioned in the previous verses now vishnu who is meant to be the super soul who is meant to be a neutral personality upadrishta anumandascha bharta bhokta maheshram who is supposed to be upadrishta and anumanta who is supposed to be a witness and a neutral personality has now turned into a doll in the hand of or hands of these demigods so that was a complaint of hiranyakashipu and that's why the lord sided with the demigods and kill my brother hiranyaksha so here we can see that 
he planned he has to destroy the vedic culture he has to destroy the brahmanical culture he has to destroy the varnashram dharma so this was the point and we will see that this is nothing new in one sense it is happening all the time say to start with the whole varnashram is dependent on the vedic literature isn't it if you don't have the knowledge then how can there be varnashram dharma how can there be brahmanical culture indeed we can see that he couldn't destroy vedas see hiranyakashipu couldn't destroy vedas <coughs> however we know madhu and kaidava they could steal the vedas he could take away vedas right in the almost in the beginning of the creation they could steal the vedas and they could go so that they understood if no one has access to the vedic literature then we can control then there can be a demoniac society civilization madhu and kadava knew and of course the lord appeared as haigriva uh, and killed these demons and rescued vedas so yes here hiranyakashipu knew that he couldn't do that rather he he wanted to destroy where vedic studies were going on he didn't want vedic studies to happen if you see if you want to destroy any civilization any culture they want to cut down the root and the root is the knowledge and it has happened again and again in history it is not something happened in a hiranyakashipu hiranyakashipu was present maybe millions of years back right we are talking about satyuga millions of years back okay even in kaliyuga if invaders wanted to destroy a civilization one of the target was destroying the literature we know that happened uh, in latin america when the spanish invaders they wanted to in- invade the mayan civilization one of one of the task was to destroy the literature they managed to destroy most of the literature so that that is part of the game and they knew that they did that because the culture is based on some knowledge and if we destroy the literature and if we kill the people who represent literature that literature then there won't be anyone to pass on the knowledge and eventually that culture is going to dwindle and die so it, it happened at the time of spanish invasion of uh, south america not only there in india millions of literatures were burned millions not one or two millions there were so many libraries which were set to fire by uh, muslim invaders it's part of the history everyone knows that and it is mentioned that some of the libraries it took many days a few weeks to burn down the whole libraries it took time what was the aim because once the knowledge is lost then we can control it is it is it's a reality it happens again and again yeah it, it happens all the time and this is actually very demoniac and we can see the modern version of hiranyakashipu so it, it's nothing new if you think about the beginning of the creation pretty much in right in the beginning hiranyakashipu wanted this to happen and later if you see 
when uh, the Britishers came to India, the strategy was more polished. They didn't burn the literature. What was the strategy? Exactly. They understood that as far as uh, people in India are basing themselves on the Vedic literatures, they cannot conquer India. Even if to some degree if they conquer, they will not be able to hold the power. They were very clear about that. They did study about it. They had researchers going, visiting, understanding the Vedic culture and they concluded it is not possible to conquer India because the entire culture is solidly based on knowledge. And that is Vedas. So what was their strategy? And at the same time, in Europe, there was such an appreciation for Indian literature. It was not much translated, but whatever literature that was translated was very popular and uh, the scholars indeed appreciated in not only in UK, in Britain, but other European <coughs> countries like Germany, France, you know, there was some appreciation for Vedic <coughs> literature among the scholars. So they strategized how to destroy this appreciation for Vedic literature. They even came to a point that we can't find any other literature as advanced as Sanskrit literature. They came to that point. Then they had to make a U-turn because otherwise they realized it is impossible to conquer India. <laughs> so there's a strategy. And for that sake, uh, British East India Company, as you know, they hired Max Muller, Max Muller, uh, a German scholar. And he was the paid staff of British East India Company. And his task was to translate Rigveda into English. That was his task. However, there, is, there was of course a hidden agenda. He had to misrepresent Rigveda. Rigveda has currently available about 10,800 mantras. And he had to translate the entire Rigveda to English so much so that the whole Europeans would lose appreciation and respect for Vedic literature. And they wanted educated Indians to lose their faith and interest in Vedic literature. So they thought, okay, this is the way to go. And Max Muller, indeed, he, he was a Sanskrit scholar. He translated Rigveda in such a way that the whole world would think that it is just ridiculous. How can such literature exist? It doesn't make any sense. It is full of controversies. It is full of things which are irrelevant and it's, a, it's full of superstitions. So this is the way they translate it. For example, uh, I'll give you uh, an example. It's, it's no, not necessarily from the work of Max Muller, but uh, the followers of Max Muller. Uh, one word. Hare Krishna. So some of the Sanskrit scholars uh, from Western background, uh, they, they, they misrepresented, for example, the word Rishadha. In, in Bhagavatam, in Bhagavad Gita, you can read this word Rishadha a lot. What is the meaning of Rishadha? 
one who is great, one who is, you know, Rishabha, you address somebody who is great, you address as Rishabha. Rishabhadev is the Supreme Lord, or you can, you know, Arjuna is addressed in this way. And great uh, Aryans are addressed in this way as Rishabha. However, even Indra is addressed as Rishabha. However, some of the translations, Rishabha, it means a bull. Because Risha has the meaning of bull as well. So since the words has multiple meanings, so to denigrate, <laughs> they use different translations, different word meanings, which doesn't make any sense. So <laughs> many other translations didn't make any sense. And then started saying, look, this kind of literature doesn't make any sense. So this is the way they wanted to conquer India by ruining its roots. And it is was very and it was very successful. Sad to say that it was very successful. And later, in one of the letters to uh, his mother, Max Muller uh, tells that he was appointed by British East India Company to misrepresent the Vedic literature. He was a paid staff and he was paid high amount of money. He revealed in a letter, and it's a reality. So and it was published and many many thousands of copies were distributed so there was book distribution as well so first misrepresent and then distribute this widely so that people lose complete enthusiasm to go any further in terms of Vedic literature <coughs> and Indians themselves lost interest in Vedic literature isn't it and it came to a point that uh, if you know about the Arya Samaj and all of those people they were interested in Vedas and some of the ritualistic aspects of Vedas and at the same time they were not interested at all in Krishna or in Puranas or any kinds of worship. They wanted to destroy devotion completely and many other Indian scholars they supported and Brahma Samaj Prabhupada uh, writes in his part of Brahma Samaj where uh, they don't accept worship of the deity they don't want any kinds of bhakti altogether. And we know from the history that is the time a great Acharya appeared in the Vaishnava line in the recent times. Who was that? No. Bhaktivinoda Thakur. So Bhaktivinoda Thakur had to establish the position of Bhagavad literature or Puranas. That was the time where people didn't have any respect for Puranas at all. They were into some very uh, impersonal understanding and it was among the intellectuals and that was kind of supported by the Britishers and that's it. And they didn't want to worship the Lord and that's the time Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur came and he gave a proper understanding of the Vedic literature. He set the philosophical and intellectual basis to Bhakti literature. Because on one side this was going on and on the other side, Vaishnavas were not represent, represented properly because there were only Babajis. And Vaishnavas means beggars. That was the kind of understanding that time in India, even in Bengal. There was no respect for Vaishnavism because there was no proper philosophical basis. Even though there is a philosophical basis, but it was not present among the scholars nor among the public. And Bhakti, if you read the literatures given by Bhaktivinoda Thakur, it is so systematic presentation of the philosophy, very systematic. 
and so profo profound writing and so many literatures. He wrote about 60 or 70 books in his lifespan. He was constantly writing to establish, to give the basis. So it's very important for us. And in the current time, if you talk about spirituality, now, of course, before the contribution of Srila Prabhupada, spirituality is simply impersonalism and simply Mayavad. So many Swamis, many Yogis went to the West, but they presented impersonal understanding. They couldn't present Bhakti. They couldn't present the real meaning of Bhagavad Gita. And as we know, the entire Bhagavad Saptas which are going on in India, they are simply storytelling. There is no philosophy. There is no prescription for transformation. That is in the, it became just an Satvic entertainment. So when, by the appearance of Srila Prabhupada, we can see that he gave the knowledge, he re-established Vedic literature in a way that we can understand and we can access. It is accessible, that is the most important thing. Anyone can access Srimad Bhagavatam. Anyone can access Bhagavad Gita and so many other literature. This is something which is very unique, it is something which is very precious. It is very precious. We think it's easy. No. Even in the ancient times, to access knowledge is, was very difficult. It was, sometimes it was monopolized by certain groups. Sometimes it wasn't available. For example, you know, Bhaktivinoda Thakur had to wait seven years to get a genuine copy of Chaitanya Charitamrita. Can you imagine? And for us, everywhere, if we have a phone, we have Chaitanya Charitamrita, right? <laughs> it is so easily accessible. So that wasn't the case. That is by the mercy of Srila Prabhupada. He made it accessible. So here we know Hiranyakashipu wanted to destroy Vedic studies. That is very strategic. <coughs> in India, some states, in Kerala, where I am from, the government is discouraging any kind of Bhagavad Gita studies as part of the temples. They, didn't, they don't want that to happen. There's a whole thing going on there for years. Because, the, the, by the by, the temples are under government. Most of the temples big, huge temples. And they have some funding for religious studies. But every year, that funds get lapsed. So they allot the fund, but every year, that fund gets lapsed. That it's never used. And it goes back to the government. Every year, they have to allot. They do allot. And after that, it becomes lapsed and it goes back to the government. Why? They clearly don't want anyone to understand Bhagavad Gita or any other literature. Of course, there are other subtasks. Externally, so many things are going on. But in the temples, they don't want such a thing to happen on a regular basis. They don't want such a curriculum to take place. So it's happening now. So what Hiranyakashipu did, it is, it is part of the history. It's still going on. <laughs> it is not happened in, in, in long back, you know. How about now, we can see in terms of, uh, okay, for, for, you know, previously it was, you know, colonization, it was going on. Now there is economic colonization and not only that there is cultural colonization. What is Bollywood? What is all different kinds of channels? They are inviting, they are invading the whole, whole the country by 
you know, Western culture, non-Vedic culture, which are not beneficial. So there is cultural invasion that is going on. So if you think that this act of Hiranyakashipu, it is still very relevant to modern times. So our hope is books of Srila Prabhupada. If you talk about Vedic literature, the current hope is books of Srila Prabhupada, and that's why book distribution is so important. We need we need these books to go out. We need people to read at least something so that there is change. And we can see that there is change, isn't it? Even in a short span, we did this marathon, just a month, right? But we can see some people indeed read these books, right? When we go to even remote places, if you go year after year, some people do say the same thing. I have read a few chapters of Bhagavad Gita. And some people say, I have read the entire Bhagavad Gita. Is it true? When you go to the same place again and again, we can meet people who have read Srila Prabhupada's books. So there is transformation. We'll discuss that about that a little bit later. But yes, that is the hope. We have. We have knowledge. That is a big thing. And our parampara is known for producing literature. That is the speciality of parampara. Starting from Lord Brahma. Lord Brahma, he has Vedas in his hand. Not only that, he has personified Vedas accompanying him wherever he goes. We know fifth canto, when he came near King Priyavrata in the Gandhamadana mountain. Brahma didn't come by himself, he didn't come by himself in the swan carrier, but all the demigods and the Vedas personified were accompanying him. It's a speciality. And down the line, all the great acharyas, they give so many literature. So Srila Prabhupada gave so many literature. And we can see that even followers of Srila Prabhupada are giving so many literature. So this is a speciality. We have knowledge. So we need to access and we need to distribute. It's very important. It's good for us and it's good for, good for others. And next point is cows. Vedic literature. One is Hiranyakashipu strategy, destroy the Vedic studies. Then he didn't want cow protection to take place. Why? Go Brahmana Vitayacha. Prabhupada writes in the purport that even before Brahmanas, cows are important. Do you know why? In one more important than Brahmanas are cows. Why? And is for a second. Yeah, without cows, there is no possibility of Brahmanical culture. There is no Brahmanical culture without cows. So this is the essence. Because one for the intelligence and for the worship, especially in the Vedic times, there is, there is, there is, there is no question of Brahmanical culture without cows. Because they used to worship, okay, they used to worship the Supreme Lord, using sacrifices. And for any kind of worship, cows are required. Panjagavya, Panjamrata, the five products of cows, Panjamrata, in the worship, we need all this. So where does it come from? The cows. So cow protection is so important. And Prabhupada writes, the milk is liquid dharma. Dharma in the liquidified form. You know. that, is, that is milk. <laughs> So, bull is representing dharma, personification, and it's a liquid dharma coming. So, cows are so important, and now the same thing is going on, right? Slaughter of cows. 
in massive scale. Whatever Hiranyakashipu was trying to do, now it is organized by the governments in a massive scale. Everywhere, including in India. India is the second biggest exporter of meat. India is the second biggest exporter of meat, like that. So, there are some changes. Previously, there used to be a lot of subsidies for slaughterhouses a few years back, a number of years back. There was a huge subsidy for slaughterhouses. So, this is how it is. I hope things have changed a bit, little bit now, but still, it's a big export of meat. After, I think, Brazil, I think. Brazil is the first, I think, something like that. And next is India. <laughs> so, we are talking about serious karma, Ugra karma. It is not something which is light, but it is very, very heavy. So, cow protection is very important. At least in our own scale, we need to do cow protection. We can see devotees are trying to do cow protection. Uh, we have our farm, we have cow protection. And around the world, there is some push for cow protection, which is very important. And next comes after go brahmanas. As Prabhupada writes here, if, if in any culture, brahmanas are very important because they can encourage Kshatriyas to perform Yajnas that was mentioned previously and also Brahmanas are the people who train others Brahmanas have to train others all other classes are ultimately trained by Brahmanas because they hold knowledge and they are representing Vedas so in this way if there are no Brahmanas means there is no knowledge and there is no training and the society is going to degrade it's mentioned that in Vedic times there has to be one Brahmana among thousand people. That is the ratio required, minimum requirement. Okay. One in thousand. What percentage is that? 0.1%. Brahmanas are required. So it is said if there is one Brahmana, proportionately there has there can be nine Kshatriyas. So one Brahmana can guide nine Kshatriyas and under nine Kshatriyas there can be ninety Vaishyas and then under them there can be for the rest of all these hundred people one, nine and ninety add up to hundred for this Brahmana, Kshatriya and Vaishya there has to be nine hundred Shudras. So this was the ratio, this was actually the Varnashram system. This was the you know, ratio in which the society was running. So there is one Brahmana to guide thousand people, roughly speaking. So this is how it, it was working. So there, there used to be a system. So Srila Prabhupada wanted directly to have Brahmanas in our society. So Prabhupada didn't try to establish Varnashram system straight away or Varna straight away. First he tried to establish the spiritual culture. So he established Namasakirtan, chanting, Bhagavatam studies, worshipping the deity directly, the spiritual aspect. And then based on that he wanted Brahmanical culture and for that he wanted Brahmanas in the society. So that, that, is, a, that is the reality. So Prabhupada wanted Brahmanas and he wanted to train Brahmanas and that's why everything in our movement is very Brahmanical, isn't it? Getting up early in the morning, 
Anthony Mangalarthi chanting around for Shri Tulsi, Shivan Bhagavad class, Guru Puja, Thayamikosa, everything is very Brahminical, it is Brahminically oriented. Even though we may have different natures or we may have mixed up natures, but everything is based on Brahminical culture. Without that, we cannot make progress. Because without some amount of goodness, we won't be able to chant, we won't be able to go deeper in chanting, we won't be able to understand Shastra. We won't be able to do proper service. So everything is based on goodness. Everything is based on Brahminical culture. And Srila Prabhupada wanted Brahmanas because then they can guide others. We may guide others, we may help others in our own capacity. But it is very important. So Prabhupada writes, if, if, you know, it makes this point, unless there is a Brahmana to guide, a Kshatriya to rule perfectly, and a perfect Vaishya to produce food and protect the cows, how will people live peacefully? It is impossible. And we can see that in the society. It's not, not at all difficult to see. Because all these things are not happening in this world. And so there is no peace in the society. There is a havoc. And it is a responsibility of us to help the society. We'll come back to that again. And finally it's mentioned about the trees. Kiranagashi who wanted to cut all the fruit trees. So there was no, nothing to sustain on. <coughs> In one sense, encouraging meat eating. Yeah. Currently, if you see, of course, uh, there is agriculture, but that is also being manipulated. There is so much of stuff, which are, so much of fertilizers are used. And if you want something good, you know, something organic, that is more expensive. And that is a norm, if you think about it. Everything was organic in this world, right, before. Now, if you want organic, you had to pay. As um, one person was telling, uh, as a, a big discovery, he was mentioning, you know, if you go to market, if you go somewhere, if you see a fruit or a vegetable which is slightly eaten by some birds or anything, and then it's good. Because it means that it's actually good because they know what to eat. So that is the condition. Previously, everything was organic and now it's the big thing. Otherwise, now many things are, a lot of things are genetically modified. So see how the Kaliga corruption is coming into the food. So everything is corrupted. We can see that. Not just then, now also we can experience this directly. And Prabhupada writes, very important point that trees shouldn't be cut unnecessarily. When Prabhupada went to one temple and he saw that uh, one tree wasn't there anymore. And Prabhupada was very upset. He asked, why are you cutting the trees? We are not supposed to cut the trees unnecessarily. Okay, if you had to build a temple there, then you had to do something about it. But we cannot just cut the trees. Bhaktino Thakur writes, there is one kind of apara. Okay, we get Nama apara is there, Seva apara is there, Vaishnava apara. There are different kinds of apara. There is finally, there is one kind of apara which is called Jiva apara. That can also influence our chanting. What is Jiva Aparat? Just offending anyone, any living being. That is also considered as an Aparat. So that is also counted for. So one shouldn't offend anyone. So we cannot just destroy trees. And that is going on. And now Prabhupada comes to the point, what is the main use of the trees? Paper. To produce literature, which are of no use. As Bhagavatam in the first end of fifth chapter mentioned, Tad Vaisantirtam Ushantimanasa Nayatrahamsa Niramantyushikshaya. What is the Vaisantirtam? 
What is the meaning of Vaya Sandhusam? Place of pilgrimage of cross. Prabhupada actually who says this? Vyas, uh, Naradamini, right? Naradamini speaks to Vyasa. All this literature which are not glorifying Krishna are place of pilgrimage of cross or just garbage. Very straight. And so Prabhupada is not telling anything new. It is from Bhagavatam, from 5th chapter of Canto. Here we can see it is just useless. And Rose writes, the only purpose of producing paper is for printing his own literature. Prabhupada <laughs> 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 is pre- presenting very emphatically and it's very clear because it, it's helping people. Isn't it? Even when you distribute books, people ask this question, right? You know, we don't support, you know, we are green, we don't want to support any uh, cutting down trees, so we don't want to take your book. We want e-version. We want digital version. Do you think that digital version is not going to destroy the planet? Do you think, you think like that? No. It's just another illusion. <laughs> it's just another illusion. Where in digital means there has to be electricity, right? Where is it coming from? So in this material world, everything is linked. One may be a bit worse than the other, but everything is linked. In old times, how they used to produce literature? Palm leaves. That was really uh, eco friendly. If you really think about it, right? How we used to eat? You know, if you go to still, if you go to my place, a banana leaf. You know, it's very common. If you go to Bengal, banana, you know, there are different kinds of leaves stitched together, more advanced. Otherwise, if you go to South Indian tradition, now also if you go to a wedding or a big celebration, it's all banana leaf. It is very eco-friendly, isn't it? You eat and you throw, and it is good for the ground. You know, it's, uh, it's, going to, you know, it's going to give nutrition to the soil. So we knew how to live, but now we don't know. So that is the problem. So that's why it was mentioned. The only purpose of cutting down the trees to produce paper in which we can have Krishna conscious literature because it is going to help everyone. So this is the point. Now, in all these verses, Srila Prabhupada emphasizes Sankirtan Yajna. In the previous verse, the Prabhupada was about because this is the real Yajna. Because without that, there is nothing going to be very practical in Kadiga. So, other kind of Yajna based on the ghee, milk, fire sacrifice is not going to work. It is, we all know, it is Sankirtan Yajna. And even to have Sankirtan Yajna, there has to be a system. So yes, on one side, we have Nama Sankirtan, we can have distribution, we can have deity worship, but that in itself is insufficient. Srila Prabhupada realized that. So this is actually the spiritual side of it. Nama Sankirtan, book distribution, studying books, uh, worshipping the deity, association of the devotees temple. That's why he said, I have only done 50% of the task. That actually, that's a reality if you think about it. Because we can have uh, the spiritual knowledge, we can have the spiritual practices, but if there is no supportive system, it cannot flourish. There can be challenges. We can see challenges. So Prabhupada wanted Varnashram system, Daily Varnashram system, which is, con- which is very conducive to 
spiritual upliftment which is very conducive to the development of Krishna consciousness. So that's why Prabhupada wanted Varnashram system to be established. However, uh, he couldn't do it and he wanted devotees to establish Varnashram system. At the same time, we don't have a crystal clear idea how to do it. Still, it's a work in progress. Still, devotees are thinking how to do it. So, there are different models which are being tried out. For example, having trying to establish Varnashram in the farm community by training villages, those who are already farming and those who are already producing food, training them. For example, we cannot have all the devotees if we ask, okay, devotees are here. Now, we need some Vaishyas who are going to do cow protection and who are going to do farming. So if we ask, you know, you are already for that, uh, we want a section. Nobody is going to lift the hand up because many of us are trained in a different way. There may not be any attitude for that. Now, if you take the wrong people who do not have such kind of attitude, now you go to the farm, live in the farm, now you start farming, is it going to work? Even if one's own guru instructs, it may work for some time. And after that, one will return to one's own nature. It never works. So, some devotees intelligently are trying to train farmers. They are trying to make devotees among farmers and teach them how to use cow products instead of fertilizers, instead of pesticides. I was speaking to some devotees in Vada. They were telling, they were producing pesticides based on the cow, cow urine and training the villagers there how to do it. So this is a very effective, efficient way of doing it. So similarly, Hungary, they are trying, they are producing their food, at least to some extent. So, we like to try out different things. How can we have a sustainable community? How, how can we have a sustainable society? If the world is going to face problems, already we are facing different kind of problems. Even now, even we don't have good food, there are issues. Even for milk, we have mother cow diary which is good because we have, at least we have milk which is not uh, produced from slaughtered cows. So th there are things happening in, this, in, in our society. UK they have a similar system. So a few things are happening and these kind of models are very important. And because we cannot just say that I will just distribute books and I will worship the deity, I will do Namasankirtan. That is not enough. But there has to be a supportive system, a supportive national system. How to develop? Okay, that is work in progress. It's not easy. On the other side, if there has to be an impact to the society, we have to work in two levels. One, among the leadership, and second, among the masses. These two are very important, and we can see that this was a strategy taken by Srila Prabhupada. For masses, there was Harinam Sankirtan book distribution, Prasadam distribution, right? And indeed, he made the point that he had meetings with the intellectuals, with the leaders of the society. When Prabhupada visited any temple, including Melbourne, he wanted meetings with the leaders of the society. So it was the duty of the disciples to get leaders and 
bring them in front of Srila Prabhupada. So Prabhupada was very focused on that. Of course, indeed, he influenced some of the leaders, for example, George Harrison. And it had an impact, isn't it? Great impact. If you see that time, thousands and thousands of people became devotees because of George Harrison, because Prabhupada influenced George Harrison and his songs had such an influence. So we can see that Prabhupada indeed influenced leaders and at the same time he provided for the masses. Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, Whatever the great leaders do, others will follow. So we can see, so this is one of the strategies. And on the other side, we need something for the masses. Just all the street, you know, book distribution, prasadam distribution, other things. And here also our leadership try to establish connection with the leadership. Well, it's very important. So we can see we have to go in these two tracks. Even if you take the example of Lord Chaitanya, did he preach to the leadership? Yes. He did. Who who are the great personalities <coughs> that he preached? <coughs> Sarvabhama Bhattacharya. Who is Sarvabhama Bhattacharya? He was the greatest person in the whole kingdom. Under Pradabharudra, if you see, he was the most influential person. He was the minister, he was the advisor to the king. It's a big position. He was even training sannyasis. <laughs> he could train sannyasis. He was a grihastha, but he could train sannyasis. It means he had impact in the society. And Lord Chaitanya, by his mercy, he converted Sarvabhama Bhattacharya into a devotee. Then who else? Yeah, Ramananda Roy, he was already a great devotee. He was already a great devotee. And uh, indeed, <laughs> Lord Chaitanya encouraged Ramananda Roy to be renounced. <laughs> right? He was in a higher position, exactly opposite. Generally, if somebody is in a higher position, we encourage them. Continue your position, you influence who are under you. But Lord Chaitanya did the opposite to Ramananda Roy. What are the instructions? You give up the position and you be with me. You be my associate. <coughs> of course, we can see that that had an impact. But who is the other personality, great personality? Prakashananda Sarasati. Because he was the leader of all Mayavadi sannyasis in Varanasi. Now, if you go, Varanasi is the place of Vedic culture. You know, there are so many sannyasis, many of them are Mayavadis. There are so many sannyasis and so many things going on there. And there, Prakashananda Saraswati was the leader and he converted him into a Vaishnava and all his followers became Vaishnavas. So, Mahaprabhu did that. At the same time, who was the, I'll explain two things, who was, who was the key person to influence low class people? Lord Nityananda. Nityananda, he would go anywhere, including liquor houses. He will go liquor houses, he will preach there. He can go anywhere and he can preach. That is the mercy of Nityananda. So, in, indeed, Nityananda preached to all classes of people and Lord Chaitanya said, you are even more merciful than me because I cannot go to all these places and you are going to all these places and preaching. Nityananda carried the mercy of Lord Chaitanya and ultimately it's the mercy of Lord Chaitanya Lord Nityananda was carrying because he, he didn't preach unless and until Lord started Sankirtan Yajna 
Nityananda was hiding. He hid himself, right? He know he, he traveled around India and he never manifested anything unless and until Lord inaugurated Sankirtanaya. So Lord Nityananda completely followed Lord Chaitanya. Not only that, okay, through Lord Nityananda, not only that, he personally reached to the masses. It is mentioned in Chaitanya Chaitamrita Madhilila that Lord Chaitanya couldn't manifest all his powers in Nadia, Godram, in Mayapur. He couldn't manifest all his powers. Why? Because all of them were devotees already. He had strong associates and everyone became devotees. There was not much to do in Nadia. Right? They had their nocturnal curtains and they had their Nagarasan curtain. Everyone was devotees. So Lord Chaitanya couldn't manifest his power. However, when he went to South India, it is mentioned that is the time he could manifest his powers. He could show his potency by converting masses into devotees. And what was his strategy? He was doing Nama Sankirtan in the middle of the town. Now we have Harinam Sankirtan. Well, we want to go to the middle of the town, right? Swanson Street, Burke Street. We want to be in the middle where people are there. Lord Chaitanya was doing the same thing. He would go to the middle of the village and there used to be a Kirtan. Mahaprabhu will sing, he will dance. And simply seeing Mahaprabhu, those who saw Mahaprabhu, all of them became devotees. Not just devotees, pure devotees. Then, all these devotees, all those who became devotees, they went to their respective villages. The whole village, village became devotees. Of all of them pure devotees. It is mentioned that just by seeing Lord Chaitanya, all of them became devotees. In this way, Lord Chaitanya travels through South India. And it's also worth noting that there were not just ordinary people, but the demigods. They wanted to associate with Lord Chaitanya. So Lord Chaitanya was preaching not just to the human beings, but he was influencing the three worlds, as it is mentioned in Chaitanya Chaitanya. He inundated, inundated the whole three worlds in the nectar of Sankirtan. Why? Because the demigods, they came down in the form of Brahmanas, in other pious personalities. They were associating with Lord Chaitanya. In this way, they all became pure devotees. So, when we talk about preaching, on two levels it happened. On one level, through influencing the leaders. And second, through influencing the masses. And that is the only way we can go further in terms of Krishna consciousness. Because this is the way we can influence the society. And that's where uh, book distribution, Haridam Sankirtan, are important and at the same time establishing some connection with the leadership is very important. So we need to have some good terms with the leaders. Both are important because that is very influential for us. So here we can today we saw how Hiranyakashipu was advising his instructing his followers, demons, to destroy Brahmanical culture by stopping Vedic studies, by killing cows killing Brahmanas and in this way the Kshatriyas won't be encouraged to perform Yajna and then the demigods will be weakened because there is nothing for the demigods, no oblations that they can accept and in this, in this way since the, the, the demigods are not worshipping Vishnu anymore, Vishnu will be weakened and then I can go and kill Vishnu.
This is the master plan of Hiranyakashipu. And such master plans are still going on in this world. Mm. And so we had to be proactive, we had to do something about it. So that is our responsibility following Srila Prabhupada. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Any questions or comments? Yes, Prabhupada. Is there a microphone? Or is it dead? And then our Goswamis, they wrote so much of literature based on this literature, which are the basis of Krishna consciousness. For example, Bhakti Rasamrita Sintu, very essential. Our worship is based on Bhakti Rasamrita Sintu. You can read the 64 items of devotional service that come from Bhakti Rasamrita Sintu. Srila Prabhupada institutionalized that, and we have them established here. So when you go through the morning program, you go through the items of devotion service. So whatever is required for our bhakti cultivation, it's all there. But if you ask about the vast literature, it may not be there. There is literature for everything. So much. So it may not be everything, but what we need essentially are there. Of course, we have lost even some commentaries we have lost of our uh, Krishna conscious literature by some of the acharyas. So it has happened in, in time. But whatever is essential, it is there, and Prabhupada has given us very elaborately. So if we can study this literature, that is good enough. As Prabhupada said, if one can study Bhagavad Gita, Bhagavatam, Chaitanya Chaitanya, Nikola Devotion, one can become a visual guru, one can become a spiritual master of the whole world. So these books, it has everything. So whatever we need, everything is there. We are not losing anything, but. Uh, into study and practice. Sugar, sugar. <coughs> On the same point as uh, Prabhu was mentioning the the Tibetan literatures, <coughs> as you were explaining that uh, they um, tried to destroy that much. However, there were um, some places um, they were they managed to keep it, or some. Trained persons already knew the the degree or whatever, whatever the case was. So that's how they preserve whatever was is there now. Now, also historically, we're mentioning about the um, the Madhukaita, yeah, and the, there's another person I'm getting is by the name Hayagri, but the demon. Yeah, Hayagri, the demon. Yeah, they managed to steal the um, the Vedic knowledge yes. or Vedic. Yes. Now, how do we understand? I mean, at the time also we understand that the Vedic knowledge was passed on to a different uh, rishis and monies, and they were able to preserve that. That's how we carry the knowledge. And 
Lord. Yes. Now, when we say they stole the knowledge, how do you literally understand this? Yeah. One description is that they literally stole the books from Brahma, <laughs> that one of them put in the ocean, something like that, or hid in the ocean. And this, first we had to understand how were they able to do it. One, these demons were very powerful. And they are not gross demons, they have subtle bodies too. They have very powerful bodies. They are not like us, they are very powerful. They can reach up to Brahma. So that is one point we need to understand. These demons were very powerful, they were from the very beginning of the creation. So this knowledge was not really passed down to all the sages. So that chain we can see primarily uh, after yesterday, where it was divided and given to different professors who were passing down to their students and so on and so forth. So this is pretty much Madhu Kaitaba, everything is at the very beginning of creation. This powerful demons came in the very beginning of creation. They can go into the mind, into our mind zones. Yes, that, that's a good point because stealing also means they can even destroy that knowledge. They can create confusion, so the real knowledge is lost. Maya yeah, like Maya Parthagnana, which is the current status. They can actually, they are subtle beings, they can influence the mind and can, they can make you forget the very literature. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. Thank you, Prabhuji. Uh, Prabhuji, in Srimad Bhagavatam, we see there are uh, in different pastimes, there are so many devotees who have prayed for uh, different purposes to the Supreme Person of God. And we have learned that we uh, pray to only Krishna, even if we have material desire. So how to take when uh, my prayers were not answered or we get an opposite outcome? You are talking about which literature in which people are praying to different demigods? No, for the for the purpose of prayer, like it's it's different context. I'm asking. Uh, so the question is, how can we assure? How can you know, we? How, assure? For example, for example, if we we have learned from Smith Bhagavatam that I know it doesn't matter. We have any any sort of desire, even even yes. material desire. Like we we <coughs> approach Krishna. And we approach Krishna. Mm. But uh, then, how to take when uh, our you know prayers? We feel that we our prayers are not. Uh, been answered or you know we got different outcome from what yeah expectation let's say okay so uh, how can we understand we get uh, we can get our prayers to be answered is that the question or if it's not answered oh if it's not answered yes definitely it can certainly happen that we pray something to Krishna and it may not happen right immediately hmm? why because one, on one level, Krishna is a kind father. He knows what is good for us. So he will fulfill what is good for us. So if you go with material desires, it is not necessary that Krishna is going to fulfill our material desires. If that material desire is going to destroy our bhakti or is going to some, create some problem for us, then Krishna may not answer. So again we understand, Krishna knows better than us. So Krishna may not uh, answer all our prayers. He knows what to do.
so that we will not then lament oh, i want the next thing why krishna does that so we don't ask to krishna for again and again for the similar things material things so can in fulfill at the same time krishna can give us the realization also so this is the importance of worshiping krishna he will purify us we will not go on and on, go on and on you know with material desires example is roma maharaj he got what he wanted and he said i don't want anything ಸ್ವಾಮಿ instruction so you can see so there is a purification so krishna will give us the realization even if you see devotees like you know malavar like you can see we may need certain things we may have prayed krishna will give but at the same time krishna will give some some realization as well for we can see other devotees we can see there may be things but we can see okay that is insufficient so those material things are insufficient for our satisfaction what we are looking for is bhakti the real satisfaction sense of peace service in serving krishna so we develop such kind of faith seeing the life of devotees around us who are nicely practicing we see the examples even from bhagavatam so that was the case of let's say praying materially but now what if we pray you know uh, about uh, being sincere in bhakti or let's say oh lord please keep me in association definitely krishna is krishna is fulfilling krishna is fulfilling and i heard one this push someone was selling this push acronym have you heard this push pray until something happens <laughs> so do that and it will happen if you are sincere it will happen if you serve sincere prayer it will happen devotionally speaking krishna will make sure that it happens and actually it is good to have such kind of desire we can have a lot of such kind of desires now i want to when you like chant properly when i am going to associate with the devotees properly when i am going to uh, preach properly these kind of desires are very good even bhakti rathapur songs we can hear right we are expressing such kind of desires when will that day be mine when i chant holy names when the tears are coming you know like that so such kind of desires are very good so immediately we may say it's not happening but 
go on in your life, you can see it's happening. There are there are changes. Okay. Yeah. Just a comment about cutting the trees. There are some political parties in South India. Mm -hmm. Their only objective is whenever they want something, they cut the trees and put on the road. Oh, Above yeah. the property. Oh, they have become a national party now. Oh, okay. <laughs> Interesting. And the demons. Okay. Did you have probably the last question. Sure. Thank you. Thank you, Pooh, for the amazing class. We saw here how Hiranyakashi, who has this very strategic and very grand plan of destroying the whole yes. uh, Vedic culture and the society. Mm. And uh, and we also see and we hear how Prabhupada and, and also the Vaishnavacharyas also had a strategic and grand plan of establishing mm. the whole uh, Vedic society through various programs that they introduced. Um, and, and we are engaged in, 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 in executing yes. the grand plan that they have. Uh, but you know, sometimes we are intimidated with our own limitations. So how do we, how do we actually help them in, in executing that? Yes, we are trying to be part of Srila Prabhupada's plan and Acharya's plan. This temple, prasadam, books, harinam, all other kinds of preaching, everything is part of their plan. We are trying to execute in our capacity. Yes, certainly uh, we can feel unqualified, intimidated. So our shelter, ultimately our shelter is the holy name. That is the root, holy name. We had to focus on our sadhana. That is the, that is the essence. So don't think that we can advance in bhakti if we are neglecting the holy name, not also. How we are chanting Christian problems. Or more. That, that is the root, that is very, very essential. So our spiritual life is dependent on that. So in that, we have our prayers, we put our sincerity, our sincere efforts, and from there, everything will manifest. So quality of our spiritual life is dependent on quality of our chanting. That we are asking now how we can even Prabhupada. It's a very interesting point by Prabhupada. Twice, Shila, I heard from the lecture that twice Srila Prabhupada was asked how to become an empowered book distributor. In different contexts, in a gap of few years, devotees asked how to become an empowered book distributor. Both times, Srila Prabhupada gave the same answer. What is the answer? Chant 16 rounds without any obstruction. Focus 16 notes, nothing in between. <coughs> Undeviated 16 notes. That, that, that is Prabhupada's answer both times. So you can see, yes, preaching, distribution, temple, all these kind of things, they are big projects and we are very tiny, we are insignificant, and we can certainly be intimidated and feel disqualified. But certainly there is prescription by Prabhupada what to do. So that is the that's the beginning. We we had to focus on that. Whether we chant attentively or not, we had to spend two hours. So better put up effort. This is the basic. Okay, oh, first we can add to so many things. I'm just making one point. Hare Krishna, we are really overboard. Thank you. Hare Krishna
amazing class for you. Thank you.